welcome to this edition of Spotlight with Sandhya. On today's show, we are off to Singapore to meet a poet whose work moves me immensely. Mandini Senbera has won an international poetry contest and more importantly, her debut book of poetry, Worlds Within, has just been published. In a literary coup of thoughts, the foreword has been written by none other than the great Gulzar. So let's meet Nandini to find out how this came about. Nandini, thank you for being on Spotlight with Sandhya. The last that I knew of you, you were writing press releases and uh, <laughs> as, a, as a communications professional. And the next that I see, you're writing poetry. How did that come about? You know, I think all the time that I was writing for work, the poetry was sort of hidden away, tucked away, and uh, maybe just needed a little space for it to really come out. So, uh, you know, I worked in communications. I worked in Bangalore for many years. And then I moved to the US, I moved to Australia, finally to Singapore for the last 10 years. And uh, after I moved to Singapore specifically, I stopped working in communications that frequently. I was doing freelance work, but not as a regular sort of writer. And I think that's when I was able to really explore the whole interest in poetry. And it sort of came back. You know, it was always there. I studied English literature. I enjoyed reading poetry. But I started writing it much more after I moved to Singapore. And uh, I think one of the catalysts for that, if I may, was, you know, I started going on these really long walks through wooded parts and uh, Singapore, you know, contrary to popular belief, it is quite green. It's got a lot of uh, hidden sort of treasures that you can roam through. And I can't pinpoint what exactly sort of made it happen, but I did feel a certain commune with nature made it easier for the stories to come that then I was able to speak of in my poetry. Okay. Um, you know, I recall that you taken part in a kind of a social media poetry challenge and you used to post a, a poem almost every day. So yes, was that the beginning of the book that we see now? You know, no, actually I was always writing in a little bit of a bubble. I was writing for myself. I would post it maybe on Facebook and all my friends would read it or, you know, people like you who I've known for a while. But I never really was part of any sort of uh, organized writing group or never took part in any competitions but it just you know things have a funny way of coming together and I think I felt quite confident at that time when this poetry thing came along which was a poem a, a day for a month um, just for a lark I took part and sort of it coincided with the uh, finalization of the book as well so both things sort of happened in parallel, but the book actually had started. To be honest, it's quite a funny story. Uh, on my 40th birthday, my mom had given me a manuscript, sort of egging me on saying, look, I've done the work for you now. I put all your poems in one place, so get going. And then in jumps and starts, you know, the book was slowly falling in place. And it all sort of came together around this time. Okay, I think just before that, you also won a poetry contest, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. It, it was for that actually, which was the 30 uh, poems over a period of a month. And uh, it was, it's by a, a group, a literary group called the Significant League. And uh, Dr. Ampad Koshi is the founder of that group. And uh, after the whole month, they give out, they hand out prizes for 
you know, the best writer or the best upcoming poet. So I won the best upcoming poet, the Rural International uh, Prize for the best upcoming poet for this year. So that's oh, how wonderful. it came about. Congratulations. I think, uh, you so know, it, it, all your hard work paid off. I'm sure, uh, you know, it, it's something to just have a notion in your head, but to actually commit to writing a poem every single day is quite yes. a challenge. Yeah. It was, and some of them were quite technical. So I had to revisit my university, you know, uh, learnings about the form and technique, because generally I write quite uh, free flow, but this was, you had to write a sonnet or you had to write, you know, something very specific on a theme. So it was challenging and interesting, yes. Wonderful. You know, um, you got to meet Gulzar himself, and uh, that must have been quite something to get him to write the forward and really such uh, high praise from him. That's a commendable achievement. Uh, you know, I remember that uh, several years ago, uh, he used to always want to come and stay at the West End Hotel in Bangalore, the Taj West End as it's now known as, when he used to sit down and lock himself up for several weeks while he was writing his scripts. And uh, I had the privilege of interviewing him and he was such a gentle soul and so laid you know, what shall I say? Uh, laid back is the wrong word to use. I said, so low key, low key is the word yes. that I was looking for. Yes. And uh, you, I had, uh, you know, I interviewed him to write an article about him. And in this, this time, when your book was coming out, you met him to get the forward. And that must have been <laughs> such a high for you, right? I mean, one is yes. the actual fact that the book is coming out. The second thing is to get somebody who so highly respected and admired and loved as Gulzar you, but also give a forward. How did that happen, Nandini? My association with Gulzar Saab goes back a couple of years. And uh, his, his son-in-law and his, his daughter, Begna, they are friends of our family. Govin his son-in-law and my husband were quite closely together. And uh, whenever I had met him in the past, I was quite reluctant to share my poems with him because, you know, you know, there's just no way that I thought he would have any interest in reading my jottings. Eventually, after sort of my mom put together that manuscript and Govind offered and he said, why don't I show this to Babuji? Why don't I show him and ask him for advice? So that's how it started. He took, so I sent him, uh, you know, a typed up version of the manuscript and he showed it to Babuji and he just asked him, you know, like, what do you think of these poems? And as he says in, in the foreword that in the beginning, of course, you know, he probably gets so many manuscripts to look at and so many people send him things to read. He started reading them quite casually and then I honestly don't know what he liked or what he found, but he, he says that he found something quite refreshing or something quite new in, in it, sounds, it sounds quite silly to even talk about it like this, but you know, that's sort of his, uh, his contribution to that. So he got interested in my poems in his quiet way, in his very unassuming way, started putting a lot of pressure on me to get it done. And he gave me quite a lot of advice advice and then when I was still sort of like okay we'll see we'll, we'll get it done we'll get it done he was like I'm going to write the foreword and you are going to do it so that's wow <laughs> I cannot <laughs> think of a higher pressure than that so, then it. <laughs> so he finished writing the foreword and then he sent it to me and then I sort of had to sort of get things 
moving and uh, and then you know it just it came about in that way. i'm sure all of us are also very happy that this uh, thing came about thanks to your mom and uh, gulzar and uh, his son in law it's a beautiful coming together of all the creative family i would say nandini uh, yes. i've been dipping into your poems and uh, mm-hmm. you know um, well many of them are happy and they soar up and take me uh, into <laughs> a beautiful world of nature and sunshine and love there are some which are really uh, sad and it seems to be at a dissonance with uh, the life that i see you leading um would you care to comment upon what uh, you know drives this sadness this pathos that one reads in your poems um you know the, i think over the years um now i'm in my 40s right so over the years i feel my sensitivity to what is around me has sort of increased been more honed perhaps i have had more space in my life to really reflect on these things so what might be sad poems are sometimes not just drawn from my own personal experiences but they sort of extend to things i see around me you know that there, there is so much uh, pathos in life right and i think you become a bit more tuned to it perhaps once you're a mother or once you're older and you know you and it's it's almost like a journey of a poet where you um, where i opened myself up more emotionally and spiritually in a way so i would absorb things more deeply for instance if i watched it could just be i'm i'm standing in a in a queue for something and i watch an older person perhaps struggling in front of me and i can build a whole life or a whole story around just that one moment and while it may be a life very disconnected from mine in that moment when i'm writing perhaps i'm writing as her or i'm writing in that character so it's really i think the sadness the pathos even the poems of joy and happiness sometimes they're not intrinsically personal but they're more about being sensitive to my environment or to some some passing thought or passing image that i see that triggers a whole universe of thoughts so yeah i must say i enjoy uh, reading each and every poem of yours you really tap into some deep leave Uh, you know sensitive core in the reader and uh, you have a beautiful way of putting words together it's really a great gift and i'm glad you're sharing it with us uh, you been a survivor of two traumatic incidents one was a sexual assault and one is gun violence how have they impacted you and uh, do you think uh, poetry has been a way you know, as a, a kind of an outlet where it has helped you work through the remembered pain and uh, you know just get it out there and deal with it mm-hmm. let me talk about the gun violence first yeah perhaps that is even easier shockingly than talking about you know sexual yes. assault so the gun violence was an accidental incident very quickly i was at a friend's house and, uh, we were all children and we were playing and the older son came out with a small game rifle and he said hands up and i said i'm not going to do hands up to you and i 
started to walk and he fired and he didn't know the gun was loaded. So it just comes down to, you know, if, if you're a gun owner, you know, you keep, you keep your guns away from your children. And so many of accidental deaths happen because of careless handling and storage of guns. You know, fortunately, it wasn't such a big uh, risk to life. I walked home actually drenched in blood and uh, my mom was gardening there and she nearly collapsed, I think, just looking at me and I went and saying, my, I got shot. And uh, luckily, my grandfather, who's a doctor, was visiting at that time, and he did the primary aid and all of that. So I was fine. I was quite young. I think I was 10. It was a good story to be able to tell in school, I think, to, you know, have survived, uh, uh, you know, a gun uh, assault. But now when I think, think back, I think, uh, you know, there's so many things that can happen you know, with guns and with weapons. And I think the sensitivity to storage, handling, and even being able to own a gun needs, the awareness needs to be far better than it is, for sure. Uh, talking about the sexual assault, you know, uh, and Sandhya, you know, we've grown up in India, and I can only speak of growing up as a child and a young woman in India. And uh, unfortunately, I think these stories are far more prevalent than perhaps you as a woman even know, and certainly men, you know, could, should also know that it's far more common than just one random person saying, oh, I was a victim of sexual assault. Whether it's, uh, whether it's you know, casual groping, eve teasing, being on public transport, like we would use in Calcutta, and, you know, being advised to sit with a compass, open compass on your shoulder, so no one who's standing right next to you can, you know, just lean into you. And so all of these things, I think we've grown up with. Um, and, you know, without, without delving too much into detail, I would say that uh, I think I have processed sexual assault over the years in a way where today I can almost speak of it in, in quite a matter of fact way, like I can speak of the gun wound that I have. Um, it's, a part of, it's a part of my journey. It's a part of many women's journey, many men's journey as well. You know, it's something that we don't talk about that's not normalized in, in being able to speak about. But I think we should because it's all about awareness, right? And, and the more that we are aware as parents, as, as people in society, the more vigilant I think we will be to it. Because a lot of this assault happens in homes, happens among close relatives. And uh, because it's not talked about, perhaps it's something that's brushed under the carpet more often than not, even today. Absolutely. I uh, you know, uh, not talking about it actually empowers the you know, perpetrator. And uh, the victim shaming or blaming is just not right. And this is something that all of us should try to avoid and to make sure that A, the victim can come out and seek help and B, that such kind of crimes don't happen at all. And I'm glad that you're speaking out about it. From this point, let's move on to your next journey. I heard that now you're actually trying to put together a, a book. So would this be a book of short stories? Would it be a novel? Because I think you have the style uh, that would lend <laughs> itself very well to writing a novel. So I think you should aim for that. What's your plan? You know, I'm quite, I have always loved short stories, whether they were Moms or O. Henry of Anton Chekhov. I, I really enjoy the form. 
And sometimes, you know, the, my poems are sort of for a short story that's in my head, but because maybe in that moment, I don't have the time to devote to writing the whole short story out. It sort of comes out more as a poem. So I, I think perhaps the next interesting uh, sort of journey for me will be to write a short, uh, a collection of short stories. Great. You being a poet and uh, it's a par for the course on uh, this show that any poet who comes on the show should actually read out one of their poems. Nandini, can we hear you reading one of your poems from your sure. book and also tell us where anybody can buy the book. I know uh, right now physical stores may not be open everywhere, but Please tell us where they can buy it and, uh, you know, but let's begin by giving a sample of what's in the book for the people sure. who watch the show. Absolutely. I'm going to read uh, from the book, which is called Worlds Within. So I'm going to read one. Um, you know, I've, I've been following the news of how the board exam results have just come out in India, right? Mm -hmm. of the Facebook comments seem to be everybody's in their 90s. Everybody's getting 90 and above. And I, I remember that, that time and the pressure on children today. And I wrote this poem called Of Parents and Fear, Mostly Unrealized. <laughs> and it speaks to a lot of the concern and anxiety around expectations, yeah? If you could stop Fear. Stop being afraid for me of a future that won't obey. Though I try. I try, but it won't spring out of bed to the call of your alarm. Won't abide by your it's time you of a life. My life that won't weave itself conveniently into your plans for next summer or of my success. If you could put aside this distrust of this world, of things that make me so untethered, of unrealized dreams and realized nightmares of what she would say your third cousin who wears all of her jewelry all of the time and tells it like it is and never minces words though she frequently bludgeons them or him a fine comb over specimen your bank manager who attends to you personally his body always bent at a solicitor's 45 degrees when he asks about me in that greasy, familiar way. The marriage messiahs who want to know when. The smug careerists who want to know why. If you could take their voices that play with your fears, ma, and toss them into the air behind us to scatter and fall as they may, if you could be brave for one minute of the day and listen. Listen to my words without flinching, waiting, without needing your words to cover the shame of mine, without the what ifs and but thens that claw their way up your throat. If you could, for one minute of one day, see me as I am, would you know how to love me then? That is so beautiful, you know, and uh, yes, people mm. should be loved, whether they achieve 95% or 99 percentile or not. The other one, perhaps it's a little bit more solemn, but this is a poem that's quite close to my heart. It's called Asifa. We remember the incident with Asifa, the child who was raped and then murdered. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not specific to Asifa, it's specific to this kind of violence that's across yeah. the world. You froze the ink in my pen, Asifa. You made my blood run cold. Your face, your eyes, a question, Asifa. These wounds, both new and old. I stare at his face, a regular man. He too was once a child. What sickness came upon his brain? This madness, rage run wild. 
Does evil find the hollow hearts of men and to fell it, he must die? What hate, what lust, what drove him there? Does it live in you and I? This shame, this anger, the sharing of grief, will we keep this moment alive? Will her death, her pain, her life, her name remind us always of why? Of why there is scant meaning in gods or texts or lands, in leaders and their platitudes, in our outstretched praying hands. If we, in all our wisdom in this land where religion thrives, cannot protect our weakest, their innocence and their lives, what use then are our idols? What use our holy books? Why visit temples, churches, go to mosques, our praying nooks instead? Let's look at our mirrored eyes for the humanity that we seek, for the protectors of the voiceless, for the voices of the weak. Let's change our songs of them and us and create instead a life where our thoughts, our words and actions build a world removed from strife, where an eight-year-old Asifa can roam her meadows, free her horses grazing beside her in the shade of a summer tree. And the world is a gentler, kinder place because we've chosen to make it so. And a mother doesn't cling to a little dress for her little girl who is no more. Oh, Nandini. That is so beautiful and soulful, really. Yeah, I downloaded uh, your book on my Kindle. Oh, you did? I, yes, I did. And I so the ebook is out now, and the print book perhaps later in the year. It's uh, called Worlds Within. It's available on Amazon.in in India and Amazon.com internationally. And uh, my website, nandinisenmera.com, is another space where I have some readings, I have some of my visual poetry, which is photographs that I have taken, and you can link to buying the book from there as well. On that note, I would like to thank Nandini Senmera for joining us today, taking time off from her busy life in Singapore to discuss what inspired her to write these beautiful verses that just add some kind of a beauty to the day that you read one of them. Now, to our viewers, do subscribe to the Rainfree Media channel on YouTube, like and share our videos. You can also listen to these episodes as podcasts on Spotify. Check it out. I'll be back soon. Until then, stay safe.